Welcome to The Real Photo Show. My guest today is photographer, director, designer, and composer Umberto Nicoletti, and we'll talk about his first monograph, Asylum, published by Rizzoli, New York. Asylum is about the LGBTQI plus refugee community and the experiences they had when seeking asylum, not only the violence and acts of discrimination that they experienced from the countries they left, but also the discrimination they faced from the countries that they approached for asylum. And one of the things that makes this book unique is that it is not a documentary style project. It is a fashion celebrity portrait photography style in which Umberto uses his skills in that genre of photography to portray this refugee community not as victims, but as role models who have survived these horrific acts of violence and discrimination. And it's not just a book, it's actually also a whole fundraising project and awareness project for this community. And I have links to that in the show notes. And so we'll talk about the evolution of this book and how Umberto became involved with this community. But before we get to the show, as always, we are sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club, a monthly subscription service and a fantastic way to build your photo book library. Each month, members receive a signed first edition monograph and an exclusive print to add to their collections. Visit them at charcoalbookclub.com. And one more note, uh, I've mentioned that Umberto is a composer. So instead of sharing a YouTube video on the Real Photo Show channel, I've shared a link to Umberto's channel in which he has several videos that feature music that he composed called Killing Beauty. It is performed by the Czech National Symphony Orchestra with Giuseppe De Erico on viola and violin. Uh, so check that out. It will be, I think, in the community notes. And if you are a subscriber, I think you automatically get a message about that. Uh, and if you are not and you don't want to be, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, you can just click on Umberto's links in the show notes and you can hear that music for yourself. This composition, I believe, was written as part of the larger Asylum Awareness and Fundraising Project. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show and we will talk soon. Alberto, thank you for joining me. Nice to meet you. Yes. So where are you right now? At the moment, I'm in Milan. Is that your home base now? Yes. But you do quite a bit of traveling. Yes, a little bit. Yes. But now since COVID and everything, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm more more here. Yes. Yes. And, and of course, I mean, every country, but Italy uh, got hit pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about your book, Asylum, published yes. by Rizzoli. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, if you could just tell us a little bit about your background. And your background actually influenced sort of not the idea of the book, but the, your interest in doing this work. Yes. So, uh, because I'm, I'm a son of two Italian immigrants. Mm -hmm. So, my, my dad is from the South and also my mother. My mother actually was born uh, in uh, Libya. And because she she was in the Italian colony, and then she moved here when uh, Gaddafi erased the colony in the Italian colony there. So right. um, yeah, of course they are both Italian, but yeah, we had a lot of traveling during my <laughs> in my family. So yeah, you you were born in Padua in yes, Italy. Yes, I was born in Padua. Yeah, but right. I, since my heritage, I didn't really 
felt uh, like to belong in that place because I mm -hmm. always felt that I was, yeah, a citizen of the world a little bit. Right. That I didn't yeah. have roots. So I can empathize a little bit with the uh, with refugees. You know, when do you start becoming interested in art and fashion and photography and music? I mean, you actually have quite a few interests, creative interests. Yeah, uh, in the beginning, I was always interested in creative jobs. Uh, in my life, I have uh, tried different things. I've been also a dancer and a dance teacher, mm. for example. Wow. But later, <laughs> but later, I've primarily worked as a photographer and director. But now, uh, also, I work with the, my studio, for example, to do art installations for exhibition. And uh, I provided creative direction, for example, uh, concerts, also uh, music videos and TV commercials. So, yeah, I did a few different things. And for, for example, I collaborated a long time with an Italian singer then, uh, named Meg. And with other two members, we created in 2008 uh, the first uh, uh, band that did concerts just with the use of uh, iPad and iPhone. So music and visually oh, okay. and, and, and visual mm -hmm. were entirely made with the uh, iPhones. So I saw on your website, you have a lot of um, kind of these sizzle reels, a lot of these little video promotions on your, your website. Yeah, that, that, that one are just um, uh, me as a director. So I think there are music video, okay. commercial and TV stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, because you also direct quite mm -hmm. a bit. Yeah. So pretty early on, you get into a lot of different creative fields. And I know you go to university for, it was called the Artistic Industries, Higher Institute for Artistic Industries. Yeah. Yes. At the University of Urbino. Uh-huh. And you attend, attended another University of the Image as well. Yeah, here in Milan. Um, right. Were your parents creative people as well? Does this come from them or were they, mm, a little, or is this more of a reaction? <laughs> yeah, not really. A little bit my father. He, he mm -hmm. teach me to, uh, because he have passion for photography and he teach me really young to print, uh, print images the, the, oh, wow. the old fashioned way with chemicals. In a dark room. Yeah. <laughs> and we did it in the bathroom. <laughs> Yes, and, oh, I had a bathroom darkroom. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, I think that was a part that, and also is a musician, and I play too. So mm. a little bit from my father, yes. At some point, you get into more commercial work, fashion, yes. uh, photography. Mm -hmm. But I think I read that you were always still looking for a more of a, a you know personal art kind of outlet or idea mm -hmm. as well. Yes. Do you think of the two things as separate? Because I think you're obviously your portraiture style carries over into this work, into yes. this book. Yes. No, I don't think that are really separate, but of course when you when you do commercial jobs, uh, there's a you at service of a client and of course you can uh, aesthetically of course you can express yourself or your style and your technique but of course if you do a personal project uh, like this it's more uh, like you can take your time and develop it and give a meaning that you really want to yeah you have your own voice and there's no mm -hmm. commercial purposes 
So yeah, I, I was looking after like 20 years working as uh, in uh, commercial photography and also directing thing to find uh, a project that really let me discover again this why I was I choose to to work in photography and also directing. So yes. You know, I noticed on your, just a little aside, I noticed on your website quite a few Coney Island photos. Yes. When were you in Coney Island? Were you uh, working for a, a, lot a of, magazine? A lot of time. I shoot also a music <laughs> video there. It's, uh, ah. it's a place that really, yeah, evokes a lot of things to me. I really love that mm -hmm. place. Yeah. When do you start working on the Asylum Project? Yeah, it's nearly seven years now. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I think that Trump was even wasn't even elected at the time, so it was mm -hmm. really a different moment in uh, history of the world. So, right, and also my history because uh, a lot of changed, and yeah, I dedicated myself uh, like seven year, and become really important because of course more than forty percent of the country in the world still still have laws against LGBTQI plus community. And I have this dear friend of mine that is called Diego Puccio, that he's a volunteer for an Italian organization called Archigay. And like 10 years ago, I was introduced to the situation of criminalization against the uh, community worldwide. And uh, mm -hmm. Diego helps uh, and assists uh, refugees obtaining asylum. So right. I was really a little bit shocked because I was not aware of this issue and neither my inner circle of friends. And so together uh, with the organization, we wanted to create some artistic project that could inform people and also inform the LGBTQI plus community itself. And it was really like five years that every year Diego tried to wanted to do some work with me, but I didn't have yeah, it was not the right time to do the thing because mm -hmm. also, as you saw, I'm not journalist or uh, a documentary yeah, photographer or right? a reportage photographer. So it was uh, it was always scares me a little bit to, to work with this like heavy and big issue. But then something clicked inside of me, and uh, I find a way to keep my way of expressing myself through photography and also to work on a project like And I this. think that's one of the most interesting things about this. So we're, we're talking about the particular problems that LGBTQI plus refugees have in seeking asylum. Mm -hmm. Not only are they refugees seeking asylum, but they are also persecuted for who they are, not just the country they're leaving, but also the, they can be persecuted in the country in which they're trying to come to, yes. arrive at. Yes. And this idea of you be, not being a reportage photographer, you had to figure out how to responsibly do this work in a way that honors who these people are, respects the what they go through in the way that you can, as opposed to in the way that maybe someone from the Associated Press might do, or the, you know, someone who is a documentary photographer. And I, I think that is what's really interesting about this, is that you're using your tools, uh, what you know how to do, mm -hmm. to represent these people. You know, you mentioned some of the particular problems that this population has in seeking asylum, and why they seek asylum. And your book is filled with 
not just these these images, but a lot of information as well. And in particular, I noticed of the 193 UN member states, 45 have legal barriers in place on expressing gender diversity on sexuality. 61 have prison sentences. Six of those have life imprisonment sentences. And nine still have the death penalty, right? Yes. You know, I think coming from a, a point of view in the United States where especially now trans identity has become so politicized yeah. it's become this sort of political hammer this political wedge mm-hmm. yeah you mm, said a lot of a lot of thing and one of them is that uh, you said that they uh, are discriminating in their home country and also in the country that they come but then they faced another discrimination because for example here in Italy they are discriminated also, especially in a refugee camp where they arrive, they are discriminated by their the people from their home country that comes with them. So it's a double discrimination. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was uh, that you said, yeah, it was uh, my biggest challenge was that I wanted to create a project on this topic that nobody wants to talk about because both society and also the people involved because they want of course their privacy so it's uh right that was something you had to deal with the the idea of anonymity or showing people's faces right? yeah and so i needed to find a way to address the issue without putting the lives of the people portrayed and their family in their own country in danger because also mm-hmm. that is the problem so i had to find a compromise to inform and raise awareness about this issue and uh, yeah, it was, it's a tricky, so, but I wanted to do something because I said it's not possible that people doesn't know anything about this issue. So I wanted to do something. So, and also right. the other uh, challenge was also to found the project uh, because I financed it entirely on my own. So also because in one, I didn't want any commercial interference within the project because I had really a clear vision how I wanted to do this work. But yeah, it was really, yes, se- seven year, really hard. And the proceeds, and there are proceeds from the sale of the book that are going to agencies that help yeah. LGBTQI plus communities, right? Yeah, and also in the beginning, uh, the proceeds of the book, and also I uh, set up a site, a website that is called asylum-theproject.com that mm. you can donate directly to the organization involved in the project. So it's a, di- a direct link to them. And in the beginning also, and hopefully I will do an exhibition, a traveling exhibition that I would like to organize in the city in which the project was shot. Because I worked uh, in uh, New York, Washington, D.C., in uh, London, in Milan, and in Toronto. And oh, okay. I wanted to, each uh, exhibition will end with a charity auction of the photograph. And of course, all the proceeds from the sale will be donated to the organization. So I hope I'll be able to to do it sooner or later. Yeah. yeah. I'll keep an eye on the website. And- yeah. Uh, hopefully it comes to New York. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in, in New York we will uh, make an event uh, in um, Rizzoli New York bookstore, I think in autumn. So I'm not oh, sure that's great. if it's the end of September or October. So I will, oh. I will tell you. Yes, please do. Of course, Rizzoli 
being in New York, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, but, yes. and I'm also happy because uh, I'll be with the organization that I work with, that is uh, Rusa LGBT, that is in New York. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes, they're one of the organizations that yes. uh, are receiving some of the proceeds. Yes. You know, the book opens with a heartbreaking suicide note from Sarah Hagazi, mm -hmm. who was a, a lesbian activist in Egypt. Mm -hmm. She was uh, imprisoned and tortured for flying a rainbow flag at a concert. And it is, it is a, a heartbreaking apology note. I, I believe she says she... You know, the, the the world was just so cruel and unforgiving, and she forgives the world. I mean, it, it's just really heartbreaking. Yes. And so there is a... The book opens with incredible heaviness. And then as you go through the book and you read all the sort of facts and statistics and stories, and you get this very clear background of the issues and the problems. And then you get to the the portraits and the quotes from the interviews. Mm -hmm. And the quotes are, are gut-wrenching, right? Uh, as painful as they could be. And I'll just read one of the quotes because it, it deals with an asylum seeker here in the United States. What happened to me here in America by the Department of Homeland Security was the most traumatic experience. I came here begging for my safety, but you put me in jail completely naked in a freezing room when I didn't commit any crime. And I, here in the United States, we're, we're all very familiar with family separation and these yes. cages and cells that were under the Trump administration, and some carried into the Biden administration. So, I mean, you know, their Department of Homeland Security and, and dealing with immigration asylum wasn't only horrible under Donald Trump, it got worse under Trump. But then the photos themselves are different. They're different from the text, different from the quotes, different. I, I'm not saying they're not also heavy because you have all this background in your mind when you're looking at the photos. And so there is this, this seriousness while you're looking at the work. But there's also this real beauty and energy and uh, very kind of statuesque figures that because of the style of your photography, there's these monochromatic images with beautiful light heavy shadow and shading, uh, stark white background. And so they are very statuesque, mm -hmm. but also very alive and energetic as well in the photos. Mm -hmm. So my photographic approach would, mm, does not merely involve capturing images, but rather portray the individuality and complexity of mm -hmm. each person. So the use, as you say, the use of light and shadow is a kind of visual metaphor. You know, the anonymity of some asylum seekers in the photos not only respect their privacy, but also symbolize the struggle and the pain that refugees face in their own country. And as they are forced to hide, of course, uh, their true selves for fear of persecution and violence. So there are the things that we don't know, like the black parts mm -hmm. are the things that we don't know. And, and the only things that we see are the the things that we are allowed to see. So this evokes a sense of empathy also to the subject, but also frustration in the viewer because, uh, yeah, you want to know their story. So, mm -hmm. so uh, this visual approach does not settle to simply uh, capturing the reality of the situation, but instead uses beautiful and glossy images that are commonly associated with fashion and advertising to evoke a sense of 
empathy to for the subject and also their experience uh, because this happens uh, like the first day that we did the, the first photo shoot for the project because um Diego uh, my friends that helped them wanted to do also video interviews or try to do video, video interviews with them and I was not sure about that but we tried and uh, it was really uh, a learning experience for me because he they some of them uh, as we talked before uh, one thing that is really important in, with this issue is mental health because mm. they, they suffer like torture and a lot of great extent of pain so that's why also i like to call the book asylum also a little bit to have this double meaning to of course asylum seekers but also to this mental health issue so a lot of them they didn't want even speak their mother language as much as they were traumatized and the strange thing was really they didn't want to talk about their bad experiences but they just want to talk about the dreams about what they wanted to do about their goals in life and so it was really nice because of course we have this kind of journalistic mentality you know that we want to to know the all the bad things that they went went through and to feel them as victims but of course they want to live life that i that are really happy they have the asylum that they want to start living so that was really important for me because they always give me this new way of reading the project uh, that i wanted to show their beauty and not to show the drama then of course uh, as you said i want to i have to talk about this issue but i want to show to the world that their beauty not that they are victims so that's yes. that's why I, i really like the way that that we did it because it was my way to make them as beautiful as they are and also i like this uh, i like this strange emotion that you feel when you see the images because we are used to see that kind of pictures with the uh, celebrities with the actors mm -hmm. and singers so absolutely yes so, so we have this kind of really immediate empathy that we want to do like them we, we want to are like them be like them because they are you know they're rich they are the american dream and so we want envy the lifestyle So I really like this twist that you see them as uh, musician, celebrity and uh, role models and then you realize the uh, and and listen to their story and so you have this kind of strange feeling inside. Well there there are some real traditional elements of uh photography heroicism, yeah. right? The kind of looking up, the person looking up or we're kind of looking up at them, the body language and expression is in there but then there are these occasional hints at a harsher reality whether it's maybe some of the something in the the clothing or some or you use these um painterly style overlays of yeah. this sort of this bronze paint sometimes i think there's one that looks like handcuffs there's mm -hmm. streaks i think uh i read in the guardian they some of them um sort of appear almost like blood mm -hmm. in, on the images as well so and, and of course there's the quotes that are next to the image as well so yes 
as you're looking at them uh, in these sort of celebrity style photos and you feel that that heroism and the energy and, and the beauty in these people, you also, you know, have these reminders that are around them about the, the plight. But, you know, you said something, you know, we're used to seeing these these more sort of violent, you didn't use the word violent, but these more violent images are usually associated with journalism and, and documentary work. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk to a lot of conflict photographers and, <laughs> and journalists and, and documentary photographers who are trying also to make that shift of not portraying people as victims, um, but trying to portray issues with greater and fuller understandings mm-hmm. and also people who have their own power, people you know, who still have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's all present in this book because of how multifaceted it is. Yeah, and I don't want to um, uh, seem judgmental because I'm not judgmental about the work of other people because I think it's really important, the, jur- the journalism Absolutely. side. Yep. But for me, it was really like I felt really bad for my sensitivity because I, I really feel that I kind of steal something from people. And in this case, I really love that we we were making something together and that we mm-hmm. we had fun during the shooting and also that the mm, that the people were really felt uh, they felt important at in this moment. They really felt celebrities. And you so, mentioned collaboration in people sort of making their own decisions about how visible they wanted to be yeah, in the work, course, right? Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. In the yeah. beginning, I thought that I had to make a book just with eyes, nose, mouth, or hands. And then mm-hmm. after I started, then they, a lot of them are also activists. So they start to open and yeah, they wanted to show their faces. So. It was, yeah, I didn't know that I could have more faces mm-hmm. in the book. I thought really <laughs> some just pieces. But I wanted to do to have something concrete to work with because, yeah, in the beginning we had to do just images, just pictures. But then really with the first shooting, I realized that I didn't want to leave the image alone because I think it needed to be explained and to make a book about it because I wanted to have also all these written words and explanation mm-hmm. about the image because I think it needed to be. And the quotes that you referring uh, before, they are not from interview. because Oh, I'm sorry. No, yes. because they're among the various documents uh, required to file asylum application, uh, a, oh, okay. a person must include a letter in which the migrant uh, recounts their experience in the country of, of origin and the reason behind the request of protection. So, okay. the, so this letter are testimony, of course, of torture and and really tangible evidence of the violence that the LGBTQI plus community uh, still face worldwide. But of course, to safeguard the identity and privacy of the migrant, uh, we couldn't print the entire letter because also are really right. uh, documents, so public documents. So uh, we choose to print some excerpts from this letter. So are really snippets of stories uh, that serves to provide us with uh, more understanding of what happening in the world uh, mm-hmm. uh, worldwide. 
Yeah, because it's a worldwide issue and I wanted to, uh, that the book will be like an overview of what's happening in the world. So a little bit sometimes superficial or really mm-hmm. simple, but because, uh, for example, all the data that you mentioned before uh, come from ILGA, that is uh, an organization that really mo- monitoring uh, the criminalization of LGBTQI plus community in, in the world. But the data are really difficult to read. For example, also the maps that they have, they have all different kind of, uh, you know, for example, what happening in that country. If you do that, you have uh, three months of prison. If you're a woman, it's like that. If you're a man, it's like that. So I wanted to do a really simple text and a really simple overview just for everybody and also to start the conversation and then... Of course, and I tell you also now, if you want to check now ILGA, uh, I think in April open a database so you can go there and check the, mm. the situation really uh, every month, what happening in that country or is happening in that country. So we'll, we'll include a link to that in the, the show notes. Yes, yeah. I will send you later. Okay, great. Thank you. So th- that actually makes a lot more sense that these are, are testimonials because they do read like testimonials. Yeah. The excerpts from the letters. And yet, like I said, uh, they're so heartbreaking. We got through a lot very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I listened to uh, Killing Beauty, mm-hmm. which is composed by you and performed by the Czech National Symphony Orchestra. It's a beautiful piece. How did that come about? Yeah, because in the beginning, initially, I thought of using uh, a song uh, to buy the rights for a song to uh, accompany the photos and small videos for social network photo advertising. But then, yeah. but then I've decided to create a song as a soundtrack for the project while I was working in the book because I've always envisioned this project in a very cinematic way. In fact, mm. I'm trying currently working and developing an adaptation for a movie also. But oh, I, okay. But, yeah, but <laughs> it would be really mm. hard. And uh, <laughs> but uh, right from the beginning, uh, like the medium of photography and the book itself did not like sufficient to me i felt the need to express like the pain the resilience and the beautiful souls uh, in search of a better future so i began working on this music and as a musician because i do it in my free time i've always composed like hard rock and metal and progressive music with my band this is not that no <laughs> uh, in this case but I, I wanted to create an epic soundtrack that uh, you know convey the epic journey the experience by refugees and asylum seekers mm-hmm. and so you mentioned the czech N- national symphony but also i want to mention also the viola soloist of the song that is called oh, Giuseppe. Yeah. Federico, there who lent his voice to the composition, and of course also my drummer from my band that I did the epic mm. beat. So it was really exciting to bring to life exactly what I had envisioned, and also to provide another layer to while you're reading and looking at the book. So does does the soundtrack come with the book? And uh, not really, because they are available okay. in all the streaming services. So yes, yeah, yeah. you can. You can hear everywhere, so. Yeah, that's, that was uh, old Michael here uh, remembering books that used to come with CDs. Yeah. 
No, it's, it's not necessary anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so hopefully we'll um, we'll see you in in New York and and other cities as well. Yes. Um, are there other uh, events planned? Uh, yes, one here in Milan. It's always mm. uh, at Rizzoli Bookstore. Yeah, and then I will do like uh, next year a lot of events with also organizations, and so we are planning now. So it's not uh, already ever planned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it ca came out in May. Then we right. ha we have the month Pride, so a lot of stuff uh, and. So yeah, I didn't have the time to to do everything in that month. So. Yes, really. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I hope yeah. I hope it will last for one year. This book because I I wanted to yeah do a little a few events. Well, the book is still available uh, on Rizzoli's website, and of course, uh, probably any other place you buy books. Yes, and it is beautifully put together. And I think you know the way you used what you do and represented these people with, with such great dignity uh, was really uh, well done. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, thank you. And it was a really pleasure to talk to you. For me as well. Thank you for having me. Oh, that was, it was great. Thank you. All right, bye, everyone. Bye. Real Photo Show is produced by me, Michael Chauvin-Dalton. Music by Matteo Chauvin-Dalton and Jim Raimundo, recorded at the Rutherford Music Exchange. If you like the show, please rate and review with all the stars on your favorite listening platform. 